Hey everybody. What's up? Welcome to another episode of Jersey Ghouls. I'm Jackie. And I'm Marissa. And today we are going to be talking about 1974's Black Christmas. Whoop whoop. I feel like I do the whoop whoop every you do, time. You're like, I get excited. You're like the guy from, <laughs> what's his name? Michael something from Police Academy. The guy that does all the, and, and I wish and I were that. Balls. I forget his name. I Michael I something. Yeah, I want, I want that guy that does, that does the blips and the noises. And the, the, yeah, no, yeah. I wish I was that cool. Um, yeah, so we are here to talk about Black Christmas directed by Bob Clark, who very topically is the director of A Christmas Story. Is he? Yeah. He also directed what I could only describe, actually what you could only describe as a student film. The 1972 less than classic, <laughs> Children Shouldn't Play With Dead Things. And that's good advice if we're, we're obstinate. I mean, that to be fair. It was a student film. It's <laughs> something No right. offense to student films. Or Bob Clark. That was a student film by Bob Clark. <laughs> it was, that was. I don't know what that was. It's it's on YouTube. It's a brief short film. Well, no, that was just the trailer. We didn't even make it through the whole film. I thought that was the whole film. Like <laughs> that's where I was getting the student film vibe. I thought it was just like a quick short. That film. That was just the trailer. That we was survived. The trailer. Yeah. Then it don't. Then just all you need is the trailer. Yeah, I think we really got about like a, a, an. Eyeful. I don't know. Like, what else is really going to happen in the movie? They showed us the whole thing. I mean, I, that's what I'm saying. I thought I. I swear to God, I honestly thought it was a short. It film. was like Weekend Deborah. He's gone bad. Yeah, for oh lack of God. a better term. And the, I, I, I love no, when you take your dramatic pauses. <laughs> also, he directed Porkies, which who doesn't love saying the word Porkies? God, say it, Porkies. Porkies. But um, Porkies was a good, fun, rollicking, sexual. It was like know, it was like, like it, the American Pie of its time. Of its time, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And or maybe I certainly, maybe that's insulting. Maybe American Pie is the Porkies of its time. We got to give credit where credit's due. Porky's yeah, came yeah, first. Yeah, you're right. I, I've never loved Porky's. Like, I never, yeah, maybe yeah. it's because we were, I don't know, maybe it's a gender thing. I, well, you know what? Also, it's I remember creepy. seeing it way too young. Yeah, and I probably not didn't get really it. getting yeah. it. And I thought it was about pigs. Yeah, no, exactly. I thought it was a sequel to Babe, <laughs> Pig in the City. <laughs> you're such a liar. I was so, I was so disappointed. You think like, it's the sequel to Charlotte's Web? <laughs> But no, it was not. It was about no. a bunch of really creepy, horny yeah. teenagers. Oh my God, there, I'm trying to think of another pig movie to reference, but I think <laughs> like Babe, Pig in the City, and Charlotte's Web. <laughs> we really hit them all. The end. Yep, period. And yeah, we Thanks doing, for joining us, guys. We're out. <laughs> we could do another podcast exclusively about movies about pigs. <laughs> we'd be <laughs> we'd be hard-pressed to find more than two. <laughs> oh, we hit them all. Yep, Babe, Babe 2. You know what's interesting? Babe 2 gets credited before Babe 1. Maybe it's more popular. Mm-hmm. Oh, Practical Pig. We've got homework from 1939. Mm. Yep, that's about it. My brother, the pig. I would make a joke about that, but my brother listens to this <laughs> podcast, so <laughs> I can't. <laughs> Gordy. Oh, God. And Piglet's Big Movie. And I'm a little offended that they would put Animal Farm in that category, because mm. frankly, I think Orwell deserves better. Um all right, so I've uh, clearly we've already digressed way, way beyond. Tonight we're covering a Christmas story. Nope. No. <laughs> <laughs> I wish we could cover a Christmas story. I have fun with that. Mm. I'm excited. I actually woke up this morning like, oh my 
my god, I'm finally getting I because I am one of those people. I will not watch a Christmas story till it's Christmas Eve. Oh, like I won't wow, do it. That's... Christmas story happens on Christmas Eve, and then I will watch yeah. it 19 times in a yeah. row. That's so, fun. I like spread them out all throughout all. Of other the other Christmas movies yeah, like I will watch, but that one and... I'm like I don't want to touch it. Every now and then, I get like that wild hair up my ass in like April to be like, you know what? I need to watch Christmas story, and I'll yeah. like I'll like YouTube a couple scenes or whatever. But I'm like I won't like sit that's and discipline. faithfully watch yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. No, we've seen. I've, my kids are obsessed with it, so I've seen it about a hundred times this nice. season. Yeah, they're gonna ruin that for me too. Yeah. <laughs> They've taken so much else. Molly and Ken's, I love you. If you're listening to this in thirty years, when you're yeah, scrapping through all my my bloggings, and if you're listening to it now in the present, you are grounded. <laughs> That's right. Get up. Get back to bed. So let's dive right in. Let's start off, Jackie. Tell us a little bit about this film. Well, you know what? Honestly, in my traditional giving the synopsis that mm-hmm. I usually do run on sentences and I talk too long mm-hmm. about things. And we and, digress. And we yeah, digress. You wind up taking this the whole one, damn episode. Yeah, I, this one is actually pretty cut and dry. You've got a sorority See, I, house. I, 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 we're starting ready, but I feel like you think this one's straightforward, whereas like the ones that I've thought like <laughs> you will <laughs> <you'll> take <laughs> an hour to describe like what the person was wearing in Gremlins. Like there <laughs> Like, there was this decorative piece above the right, mantle that right. just it was a, no this QVC <laughs> is that where that was from like you think this is a straightforward plot I think like, this one's straightforward okay, plot. go ahead I'm gonna I'm gonna set the timer okay. now let's see how many hours it takes you <laughs> okay here I go I'm so ready. easy straightforward it's not straightforward welcome to beautiful Canada at beautiful Christmas time you have a sorority house there is a handful of girls they're partying and having fun they have a house mother Mrs Mac God I love this. She is fantastic My and hero. Basically, very cut and dry. They're starting to get picked off one by one by an unseen killer. Some cops get involved to try to help solve the murder, but do they? Who knows? Yeah, they're getting obscene phone calls. Here, let me let me reenact one for you. <laughs> Billy, no, Agnes, no, <laughs> Billy. That was pretty good. That was actually... I think I could have that, a career as an obscene no, phone he's caller. Like, he, th- that pretty much, like, you get this obscene phone call Thank and you. You, it sounds like there's, like, three different people on the phone. Dude, he's so it's, talented. It's, so it's a shame he's a serial killer because, god damn, is that guy talented. He would. Definitely has has a place among voice actors. But no, that's pretty much it. There is a sorority That's house. your summary. That's my summary. Sh- you you Sur- have gone from <laughs> fucking one end of the spectrum... Where you will take five hours to describe the shoes the girl was wearing to now you fucking vastly oversimplified the entire complexity of the plot. Some Can some you... girls get killed. The, the end. end. There's obscene phone calls. Yeah. Billy. Billy. Billy calls. Like, you have to find that sweet spot. Like you have been on one side of the spectrum. Granted, you were drunk when you were on that one side of the spectrum. And now you're literally like a bunch of chicks. Shit yeah. goes down. It's fucking fucking all, all crazy shit. Black Christmas. Whatever. Mic drop. Boom. Yeah, like dude. <laughs> all right. So yeah, that's that's our big yeah. in depth summary. Some, I some guess. Girls get killed. Now we actually have to fill the show with content because you're not just gonna babble about plot for two hours. I did all think right. the house was decorated really pretty on the outside. Like yeah, I which like is such that bullshit it was because in college I can categorically say that we didn't spend a fucking nickel. Well, you know what? Oh, you know what? I did have one Christmas decoration. I stole it from another short. You made that decision. In the middle of the night, like the Grinch. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> no, this house, the house they live in is, is gorgeous. Yeah. yeah. So this, the movie opens with an awesome scene where you are in the perspective of the killer. Mm-hmm. And you were like climbing. The trellis? 
Ooh, yeah, fancy. And and heading into the attic and, and hiding out in the house. And I love that this film messes with perspective. I love that I'm in the first person point of view for every killing and every creepy thing in this movie. Because it's like, I'm almost like, you feel like you're an accomplice. It like adds a yeah. level of like skeevy to it all. So this movie came out long before Halloween, five years before Halloween. This is the first slasher film yeah. ever. Because I, I think it was the first slasher film that really stuck. And I think that if you look at most 70s horror films, like When a Stranger Calls, Halloween, they totally bit right from this movie. So... Okay, so we start off with our uh, our girls partying hard. And that, I, I'm going to jump right into it because I think it's such an important part of this movie. These girls can party. Mm-hmm. Like, I'd have pledged this sorority. These girls are fun. And I did pledge a sorority, so no yes. offense to my current sorority <laughs> sisters. But, um, damn, they know how to party. And they are not the typical, like, dumb, bimbo-y girls. Like, I mean, because we were talking about this. Yeah. They're, they're fun. I feel like they're portrayed smart. as... Just regular girls. And it's not like, you know, and again, like, I'm simply saying this from the perspective of like Hollywood sororities. They're always, you know, thin, pretty, beautiful, this and that, you know. And these are, some of them are pretty girls. Some of them are average looking. You know, they're just, you know, they don't all have, you know, handsome chiseled boyfriends. Like, they literally, I think that's another element of how creepy it is because... They're they're regular so looking people. You can relate to them. These mm-hmm. look like you know people that you know. These aren't like overly beautiful Hollywood insane. You know, you know what I'm saying. Right. Like it's they look like Normal regular people. people. And I think that that's part of the, an element of what gave these '70s flicks their power. Like if you look at things like I Spit on Your Grave or Last House on the Left, like. Those movies felt so grimy and real, and just were were filmed with people who looked very regular um but these girls are awesome they they literally are cursing like sailors yeah <laughs> they are drinking all the time they have like the one girl's reading like playgirl at one point <laughs> when she's sitting on the guy i love barb so much so we have to talk about barb hot mess. They're, they're just cool chicks and i think yeah. that this movie is incredibly feminist in that way i think that even all these years later what's amazing to me is that this film stands out as like a good feminist horror film um, because these girls are so awesome. So the first person to get the axe is Claire. Now, what's interesting about Claire is that she is the, like, virginal, like, uptight goody two-shoes of the short. She is. When one of the obscene phone calls happen, Barb gets on the line, and she starts giving the caller, who is saying some very obscene things. Very inappropriate. Extremely inappropriate. Like um, the C word. The C and X Tuesday word. All over the place. She starts giving it back to him. You know, yeah. tenfold. She's yeah, like, she's you want hilarious. it, you come get it. And Claire actually is made, you know, she's uncomfortable. She even says, you know, you, you don't need to say things like that. Like, it's she is. She's the very, she's, you know, probably one of the younger ones. And mm-hmm. she's just very virginal. I don't want to say virginal. That's not the right word. No, I think it totally is. I mean, I don't know. I mean, but she was making plans with her boyfriend. Like, they were going away together. Like, I don't know. Like, she just she was, was like the... She was like the goody-two-shoe. She did seem the most innocent, the most goody-two-shoe. She was portrayed as the virginal final girl. 
before there was there was a, a final girl right and that's i think what's fascinating about this before there was the trope of the slutty girl gets it and the good girl lives till the end this movie turned it all on its head before there was anything to turn on its head the girl the final girl is the girl who's getting an abortion for christ's sakes and the the girls who are just like the average run-of-the-mill even cheekier girls live longer than anybody else in this film so i love that this movie establishes the slasher film without building that trope which which makes me want to go back and study how that became a thing like yeah. what in our culture because after this i mean i blame america because it's halloween yeah halloween, halloween came halloween i mean when you i think and you I gotta think be it's honest also too, after seeing this tell me carpenter didn't rip so much from this film you know what i have to say i don't know i might want to watch it again now seeing both of them which one do i like yeah. better and I'm I really, Black I, I, all day I can't me. say, like, I really did. I feel like where both of them are a little slow, I feel like Black Christmas starts to pick it up a little bit faster. It kind of keeps you more where Halloween has a very slow beginning. And even mm-hmm. the kills and, I mean, Michael himself is slow. We talked about yeah. this. The very slow pace, you know, he's going to kind of, you know, yeah. lumber after you, but he'll get you. You knew Michael was the killer. Right. You knew right out the gate mm-hmm. Michael was the and killer. And you knew who he was and why he did it. Exactly. This movie, you don't know. And, and I love and, that they yeah. don't reveal. Like you see, you know, you barely see, you know, any part of him that he's not. Like I said, it's 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 from his perspective. So you might see a foot or a hand, but it's only because yeah. he's lifted it up toward his face. And you get this like super quick shot of a little bit of his face in this like perfectly lit black backdrop, you know, like... And, and I, he's just so human, whereas Michael Myers has taken on this, like, supernatural ridiculousness. Yeah. Like, Billy is just, and we never know why he's there, what he, like, he's obviously out of his mind, like, oh, yes. and it, it just, it's so human and it's so scary, and the fact that we're forced to take on his perspective just makes it so real. And the fact that we never find out. Like, yeah, I, mean, I, I love it. that this movie is bold enough to not over because horror movies today, man, they explain like look at the remake of this. They the first half of the movie is explaining Billy. I, I don't know. need it. My no. imagination is smarter than any crappy script idea you can come up with out there. Like it's just so good that we never learn a thing about why he's there or what he's done. That's one I of my it. favorite things about Me it. Too. It really is. And because so few horror movies today have the the cojones to do that. Um so yeah, so Claire gets it. Claire gets it first and yeah. you know and again and we it's the very famous which again I think was is stolen over and over again in horror the the bag over the head strangling like it's a very non-violent yet you know what I mean like there's no blood or gore to it but it's right. damn it's scary. like it's really not going to leave a visible time. mark yeah. but I also do enjoy that through the entirety of the movie she is left in the rocking chair <laughs> with the bag over her head Never to be found. Never to be, which we will touch on later. (laughs) But she's got that look on her face. Like, you know, it's like rigor mortis is set in and she has that shocked, gasping for air look on her face. Yeah, it's hard. And you see her multiple times. So yeah, Claire, you know, and again, we're watching it now in 2016 where we know the final girl trope, where we've thought about it and talked about it. So it's so odd that she's the first one to get it. But again, at that time, that trope, didn't really exist that wasn't a thing to have so and and this movie manages to play with gender roles and gender politics in such a fascinating way because it it's still a very male film 
like in the way that horror films tend to be but like we get this really strong pushback from the female and i don't know if it's just like the perfect setting was 1974 for this or what but like the girls in this movie are not gonna like take the stereotypes that horror wants to put on them lying down and i think that's why this movie has such a warm place in my heart because these girls are gonna fight the tropes before they even know what they're fighting it's like they are the 70s i woman here we were fuck the world if they don't like it and it's like these are like the great grandmothers of the neo-feminism so it's like i i just feel such an affinity for all these girls so let's go back to so claire's dead yeah in the rocking chair and then the next person who actually gets it is mrs mac who i'm just gonna throw out there damn this woman's my hero like, if, if in 20 years, if I'm like Mrs. Back, I'll consider myself a, you know. She reminded me of Mrs. Hannigan from Annie. <laughs> yes. Except not as, not like, as angry drunk. She's Fun. she's happy drunk. Fun. Mrs. Mac has alcohol hidden all over the house. My favorite is the one in the back of the toilet. Yeah. I yeah. love that she pulls out, like, a bottle of After I watch some this kind movie, of bottle I, of hooch. I quickly, I quickly buried some hooch behind my toilet for future. You know, she's, like, she's got the bottle. Like, she, I, that's all I could think of was, like, just a happy drunk Miss Hannigan mm-hmm. instead of, like, the angry drunk. She's so awesome. But, yeah, she um, is looking for her cat and stumble, you know, she thinks she hears something. So she goes up into the attic because she thinks that's where the cat is. Right. And that's when she sees Claire in the rocking chair and then she gets a... She has like there's like a pulley. There's, a hook. there's like a hook on a on a winch and right? or a yeah, pulley, he, he, and he <laughs> throws it at her, and she gets a hook in the face. Fascinating. The first two kills in the movie we don't see. Like it's more off camera than not. Yeah. Yet then, as the movie progresses, it's like we like we again in the perspective of the killer, it like escalates for us as the audience too, because then he then stabs the next victim, played by the lovely Margot Kidder mm-hmm. of Superman. Super right? She was Superman. Lois Lane. Yeah, she was Lois Lane. And she was what else did she do? There's some. Oh, she was in the Amityville Horror, the original Amityville mm-hmm. Horror. Yeah. Um. So Margot Kidder plays Barb, and Barb is an amazing character. Now, granted, Black Christmas 2 is going to start with her intervention. <laughs> Black Christmas 2, Barb's a hot Barb's, mess. <laughs> Barb's intervention. Because this girl is drugged throughout the entire movie. Now, listen, we all knew a girl like that in college. I get it. I do. But was I that girl? I hope I wasn't. I might you, have been. You weren't close. that girl. You I like to think I was more girl. Mrs. Mackey well, you know in college. And I feel like in the very, the very, very beginning of the movie, Barb's tone like is set. villain. Her tone yeah. is set because she gets a phone call from her mother hmm. and that's somewhat upsetting to her. And you can almost feel like what I got from it is the way Barb is, she's reflecting that that's all she knows because that's her mother. Like that's how that's her mother she, is. Yeah. Because she only knows one way, how to be yeah, a woman. Like the, yeah. And she takes that cue of how to be a woman from her mother and clearly her mother has let her down. She's clearly not the mother of the year. And I feel like that this is her way. Of this is, you know, her way of handling it. It's from the phone call. I'm trying to remember. It's like, I think they had plans. Yeah. And the then mom, like the mom like bailed, bailed or whatever. And, the mom's and then partying. she literally spends the rest of the movie drunk, completely drunk. Well, what I, I love about, again, going back to like these characters as feminists is like, each of these girls is like on just becoming a woman and has such a strong, clearly defined vision of who they are. Like, which we don't see in so many of these horror films that come after it. It's just a, you're either the dumb blonde bimbo or you're like the nerdy girl who gets it. There's no in between. These girls are all fully individual, like fully realized human beings. Like Jess is this really complicated kind of nice, but like still laughing at the carolers and like still, you know, like they're just normal people. And even Phil is like this cool kind of like, 
you know, quieter, more reserved, but still cool. And then, like, you get Barb, who's a mess and who's drunk all the time. You get Claire the Goody. You know, like, there's still stereotypes, I guess, in some way or shape or form, but they're stereotypes that are so much better of a mirror of women in reality. Absolutely. Which I find fascinating, considering it was, you know, before all the other horror films that we know and love today. Getting back to Jess, though, in this abortion, because I think that this is such a big part of this film. It is, to me, incredibly bold in 1974 for a director to and a writer to choose to have a main character in a horror film be pregnant. When I'm not even sure it, it would change anything about the plot if that aspect of it was removed. So this is 1974, where we're a year out of Roe v. Wade in America, where abortion has now finally become a legalized universal act in America, but in 1969 in Canada, they make a rule that abortion is legal and they haven't gone back since. I, I, I don't know. I find like I like her more because of the abortion subplot. Well, you know what? I think it just defines her character even more as you like how She's you were saying like she really is because again, this is 1974 and you know, she tells her boyfriend, still hey, you know, I'm pregnant, but I have dreams. I have things right. I want to do. I have a life I want to live. Right. And this was not in the game plan. So I have an option. I'm going to take the option. And he flips. flips. He does. He yeah. flips. It's my baby too. You know, you can't do that. Which, you know what? There is merit Bring to... Bring you know, There right. is merit to, like, how come you're the one that gets to make the decision? Well, I'm the one that right. gets to make the decision because I'm the one that's incubating the child or whatever. Incubating. I'm incubating it. But, um... But yeah, the fact that he... I think it's, it's an unflinching look at... He really... Yeah. Um, the thing that I like best about it is when he loses his Peter, mind... the boyfriend. Peter, the yeah. boyfriend, yes. And he, you know, starts yelling at her. She stands her ground. She does. She absolutely stands yeah. her ground. And no matter what he threatens, no matter his actions, no matter what he does, she stands her ground up until the very, very end. She, she stands her ground with him. Yeah. You know, like, you can yell at me, you can scream at me, you can threaten me all you want. Uh, this is yeah, my plan, and I'm going to do it. And you, she you. does not waver, not even once. And I love that about her I character, that there is not even, there's no hesitation. Like, she made her mind up, and she's sticking to it. Right? And I think that there, there's uh, there's something, I don't know, there's something to be said for that. I think that it makes, it to me, she's one of my all-time favorite final girls, because she just is such unapologetically going to do what she's going to do. And, and like, you know, the abortion issue aside, because you're right, there is a depth and a complication to it all, but it's it's amazing credit to this film that they have this girl be like, in, in a moment in, in history where things were still so touchy, yeah. especially in America, maybe not, maybe Canada had it all figured out by yeah. 1974, because they certainly beat us to every punch in that respect. And I'll be moving up there shortly if things continue the way they do here in the old states. But, um... Mm. You know, you know, like what? I, I can know help that... you. Say, I can help you out. I can teach you the Canadian national anthem. I've watched Perfect. enough hockey, hockey that yeah. I know the Canadian. Yeah, I guess so I'll I can... have to start watching hockey. Yeah. Now, Peter, the boyfriend, is fascinating in this too. Which, again, I think the gender politics play so well into this. Like, he's a jerk, man. He's practically an abusive guy. He he's also cray cray. Yeah, he's. Just... You know what? You you know what the way what you just said there, how the the gender the roles are reversed. She's the one in a stressful, tense situation, staying calm and collected, and here's what we're going to do. And he's the one flipping out and raising his voice when it's kind of usually portrayed that the woman is the one that lets her emotions go, while the man oh, is very yeah. steady, yeah. you know, in his emotion. And he's the one now 
you know, she's like, I'm having an abortion. This is how it goes. Yeah. And he's she's like breaking his piano yeah. and, you know, Acting screaming like and yelling. And he's the one letting his emotions, you know, right. let loose the way that's normally portrayed as a woman would. Right, because she's almost stripping him. Like, she's wearing the pants, proverbially, mm-hmm. yeah. in, that, in that relationship. Because she's making the choices and to heck with him. And you know what? If you look at it, too, the, the, the dynamic between Barb and what's his name? Nash? Yeah, yeah. The, right? the, the one, the fellatio guy. Yeah. Yes, Nash. Like that, that interaction is also a gender flip. Because you have a girl walking in, busting his chops, making sexual innuendo jokes at him that he doesn't get that like go over his head and she's laughing at him the whole time nobody in the film has any respect for him so it's like not only are they kind of mocking the police because goddamn, are the police in this town terrible (laughs) like good (laughs) grief i mean scooby-doo would do a better job like at least scooby would look in the attic but wait i was what was i i was getting to a good point about Oh, that, like, this film does. It plays with, like, the... Because even when the dad comes into town and he's looking for Claire, like, he's the one who's made, like, to be a prude. And maybe it's a, a, an age thing, but, like, remember, like, they, like Miss, Miss Mac... Oh, yeah, the she... There's a there's the a naked... There's a poster right. of a peace sign so that's like got the, some naked bodies. the women become the hyper-sexualized characters, and then the, the men become, like, the, almost like the fools. And I got to be honest, it's refreshing compared to, you know. And when you think this is the same guy who made Porky's, like, it's, was he, like, drunk that day? Like, how did he, the same guy who made Porky's makes this amazing statement on feminism. Like, maybe he didn't know what he was doing. Like, maybe it was just all happy accident. It was accident. a happy accident. Yeah. It might, it really might be. Or it could just be, you know, the the, the characters themselves, the actresses, the actresses that have played yeah, these parts. Like, they kind of just, you know, they... For for lack of a better term, they like you know, took it by the balls and yeah, they just did their thing. All right, so let's get back to Peter. So Peter, our our little pianist, <laughs> and I can't believe we're both laughing at the word pianist. <laughs> we we would fit in well in this sorority. Um, he is the sweatiest pianist I have ever seen. Now that's not to say I've seen many pianists in my day. Truth be told, I'm not that cultured. But Jesus, this kid is a mess. That the scene of his recital. His recital it's, is the most painful thing I've ever it's seen. Painful to watch, like it kind. Of, Watching you, the guy's expressions, like that's like, <laughs> it's just so torturous. I swear to God, watching his face, yeah. I couldn't tell when he was playing the piano if it was also extremely painful <laughs> or extremely erotic because he just had these moments of, mm. like. I, I, I don't know. Oh, like, see, you I couldn't read it. Like you, I couldn't tell what his face, like, I couldn't, I couldn't read him. I could, it was not good. Oh, see, I just, all I kept thinking was this guy's fucking out of his mind. Oh, no. That's, I think that, that was the, the thesis. That's from that the recital. overarching, yeah. And when theme. he says, I quit, I think it's more like he got kicked out of. When he's oh. like, I quit the observatory. Oh, yeah. Not observatory, conservatory. Conservatory. <laughs> I quit the conservatory. Mm. No, you didn't, Peter. Mm-mm. You definitely got kicked out. No, and and you're mad at me because I'm mad at you, right? Like that's like he. It's very childish. Oh, he's a hot mess. He really is. And you know, I hate to steal from your notes here, but yeah, he's like the ultimate red herring because they set him up as this crazy, creepy, sweaty weirdo, and with then, a motive, with yeah, a motive, with a really good motive. And then he even threat. Basically, I mean, when he when they have first of all, he totally sneaks into the house. Yeah. Like, What's he doing in the house? What the like, obviously, Peter, he doesn't have a no key. No wonder we think you're a killer. Right. Yeah, you literally snuck into the house and then spooked her. We're like, hey, here I am. Like, when she's all by herself in the house. Then proceeds to threaten her life 
because she's like, no, I'm going to get the abortion. Sorry, bye. And he's like, all right, well, you're going to change your mind or I'm going to, you're going to be sorry. Yeah. So yeah, I'm going to be sorry. Like you're going to kill all my friends with plastic bags or I'm going to be sorry. Like you're going to yell at me again. I know. Like, you could go me. either way. Right. You could go either me. way. Um, but Peter's a mess and he's then uh, interestingly just starts to really buy this idea that he could be the killer. Oh, absolutely. Because she's like, I think I heard his voice. I think that was his voice on there. Meanwhile, it's just yeah. Billy's just so good at Well, and it's also the stuff, the stuff that Billy is saying on the phone is verbatim stuff that the conversation that they have had. Right. What what she we don't quite he's know house. that he's in the attic and that he's hearing it. Right. But you know, that seed is planted for her but and throughout the film, there are moments Billy seamlessly travels inside and outside of the house, right? Because the cop in the car is dead. Mm-hmm. We get a couple moments where we're looking into the windows again. So all of this whole it could be Peter really adds up. Yes. And you know what? And I I I really enjoy that. In, you know, watching the movie, yeah. I wrote down, you know, I love that the killer wasn't revealed until the end. Mm-hmm. And then I remember, you know, I'm watching the movie and I say, you know, Peter was the red herring. And then it was like, that's that's not the ending I wanted. I wanted the ending to it for it not to be Peter. And then when it unfolds yep. and it's not Peter, like that ended exactly, exactly the way that I wanted it to. It's, yeah. it's a brilliant move to not make it the boyfriend because too many times it's been the boyfriend. Yeah, like the other Billy from Scream, who I'm convinced was named after Billy in this movie. He may well. Well, his last name was Loomis, so we know that they took they from took Halloween. From Halloween with Loomis, right? So it's, it's very, so very Loomis, real yeah. possibility. Um, I, and, and I think Peter was a total douche canoe. Yes. So even more reason why Jess is making the right decision by having an abortion. Like, why would you want to stay with Peter, this sweaty, creepy pianist? Mm-hmm. I was going to talk about all the boyfriends in this film because they're all pretty useless. Chris, who would be Claire's boyfriend, right, walks into the police station. And here again, we see plays on gender politics. I don't know if it's the fur coat he's rocking <laughs> or his badass hair. Or what it is, but shit doesn't get done in that police station until Chris walks in and starts bossing people around. So you have all of these women being like, yo, our friend is missing. Here's Pops. Like, we're all worried. And they're like, yeah, fuck you. But Chris walks in in his fur coat and boom, suddenly everybody's on the case. So, but he seemingly seems like a good guy. Chris. No, he does. He he like cares. He cares like he, right? No, he he's, cares. He's and- into it. He's out with the search parties. He's doing his thing, you know? Like, so, I don't know, though. Like, the the boys in this film really serve very little. And then there's Billy, who is this mystery character. And again, you're right. The best thing about him is that we never really see him or know what's going on. But here's what I've pieced together. (laughs) Obviously, Billy's got some Bobby issues. A couple. Yeah. I mean, because he's, like, rocking everybody in the chair. And Mrs. Mac is, like propped up in the background and Miss Mac I love her I love her alcoholic potty mouth ways um but think about it if you had to live in a sorority house with a bunch of punk ass 20 year old girls you would be a, a drunken yeah mess too Miss Mac. <laughs> but like I don't know I just feel like the like short of Billy like it's sad that the demented serial killer is the most fully developed man in the story right <sighs> The one cop, the detective, I forget his name. John Saxon plays him. Um, Lieutenant Ken Fuller. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, I think he he's kind of essential. He Side get- note. I'm sorry. No, go ahead. I catch off. Holy shit did I learn a ton about phones in this movie. <laughs> 
I want to work in an old-timey phone factory now. No, that was so cool, the way that they were tracing the calls by running back. Like, is that how they did it? Like, is that really? Like, I need to work the little, like, how shit worked in the 70s. I can only assume that that's how they did it. how do they do it now? My little mind cannot wrap itself around. Yeah, no, I don't know. Like, that guy's, like, running through a fucking giant... I'm... Are you kidding me? I'm impressed by the magician with the three rings that he puts (laughs) them together and then takes them apart. Hurts my brain every time. Yeah, I still worry they're going to saw that bitch in half every oh, time. Every time. And wear the rabbit from the hat. Like, seriously. <laughs> Where do you Explain your wizardry. No, I, no, like, I'm with you. I have to admit that, like, I was fascinated by him, like, running to find And, like, he obviously, was. he's tracing some sort oh, of wire because he keeps, like, oh no, I yeah. was super into that. I was that. so into it. I was like, very I wanted much to go work that. with him in that room. And like run back and but forth no, tracing phone I calls. Think, I think whether Fuller did a job, did his job or not, I think, you know, where the, where Nash didn't really care where he was blowing off their story about the missing girl. You know, when Fuller finds out, he's the one that's getting the investigation underway. He's the one that has, you know, a man in a car, you know, out front the sorority house. He has the phone people in there tapping the lines. He's got the phone connected to his phone. Like whether or not he did a good job, whether or not he's like the bumbling idiot cop, I think Mm. the intent was there. He tried. Yeah. He tried. And honestly, you know, he was the one that went racing when we realized that the call was coming from inside the house. He was the one that, you know. Which this movie created that trope too, if you ask me. Oh, really? Right? Because When a Stranger Calls comes out five years later. Um, Fun fact. John, what's his face again? Saxon. Saxon has played a police officer over 200 times in film and TV. (laughs) 200 times some sort of law enforcement agent but no i love when i saw that it was him i got so excited there's another girl that gets thrown into the mix that's dead it's a high school kid right or younger high school or grade school and school age they're kid. out looking for this girl and the sorority sisters to their credit go out yeah. and search for this kid with like all all their buddies and they um find a body in the park of this random girl who just gets introduced Solely for the purpose of being yeah. yet another murder. If if there was a purpose, it wasn't anything that was out and out explained. Um, we had talked about, you know, was is it that that was Billy's first kill when he finally, you know, got the you know got the chutzpah to get out there and <laughs> kill somebody? Maybe she was the first one. Maybe she was practice for the other ones. Or is this some sort of something that I had had written down? You know, is this some sort of correlation with with an abortion? A child has been murdered. Like a metaphor. A metaphor for it. You know, an abortion is a theme throughout this film and is a... And deaths of babies come up. I mean, in all of his phone calls, he's talking about this baby and like... Yeah. It's almost like, you know what's weird when you think about it in those terms? Billy's voice becomes the voice of like the pro-life movement. There's something to be said for... This idea of, like, the voice of, like, both sides of the argument is in this movie, which is fascinating. Especially because Peter's side of of the pro-life is, he's, he's irrational. He's irrational. He's not thinking straight. He gets hit with this out of left field and his instant reaction... A side of this movie is the irrational and the crazy people. I'm just yeah. throwing that out there. I'm not saying that I agree with it. Okay, so let's get... So we've, we've gotten through all the deaths. Then Barb gets killed by the unicorn head. Because mm. um, Barb gets sent to bed after... Okay, and I researched this. And so did Jackie, apparently. <laughs> Barb's statement about turtles and their mating habits is 100% accurate. That's ridiculous. 
Why are we not turtles? <laughs> First of all, are you First kidding me? What, what do I look like? I got three days of free time on my hands? Are you out of your mind? <laughs> it's so busy. funny how we I have come, a turtle job. We, <laughs> I am busy. <laughs> we come from very different sides of this, this argument. It's great. <laughs> one day, one day, you'll be on my side, the old married with children side of this argument. Um, <laughs> you young kids. Um, but no, yeah, it's true that turtles will for days on end, not necessarily because they're actively enjoying it, but because the male turtle will be protecting the female from having another mate. Yeah, so they'll just have sex for three days straight. But Barb very inappropriately brings us up to the grieving father. Yes. Because <laughs> she's drunk and feels guilty. Which I thought was another interesting layer. Like, she's acting out because she feels responsible for Claire's death. Because she was mean to Claire the night before. Yeah. Which, again, was a kind of a cool level to all of it. So, um, in her bed sleeping, Barb gets stabbed by Billy with a, like, Lennox unit. Yeah, like a fancy glass. Like a paperweight, like a big, thick. It also made me realize how phallic unicorns really are. Yeah. No wonder they're imaginary. Hi oh. <laughs> I'm here all night. Um, yeah, so he takes her little glass unicorn and stabs her. We see the gore for the first time in the movie, which not I wouldn't say gore, but we at least see the blood. We see the we death. see the blood. Yeah. We you know We're we see yeah. we, we don't see the penetration, right. but we see his arm coming down. Not enough of an excuse to use the word penetration. <laughs> What's up from Pitch Perfect, right? I've never seen Pitch Perfect. What? I know everyone says that to me, but I just Jesus it doesn't look like, what what We're gonna have a Jersey Ghouls Pitch Perfect night because <laughs> oh, that's ridiculous that you would see that goddamn movie. It didn't look good to me. She I, said she. <laughs> So you would love it. There's so oh my god! I didn't. I say it doesn't look good. And you're like, and you'll love it. You will. Uh, All right, ladies and gentlemen, if you're listening, <laughs> I'm starting a movement. I need. I need everyone to get on board. It's the Jackie must watch Pitch Perfect before Jersey Ghouls can go on. Oh. So that when I reference Pitch Perfect, which happens more than I, you know, to be fair. For yeah, sure. I don't know. Pitch Perfect just it didn't. Oh. I watched the trailer and I was like, eh. I think this is the moment where our partnership ends. <laughs> no, our partnership ended when you made fun of me for my PSA at the end of the Halloween episode. That's when it, the real, it dissolved there. We've been just faking it the whole time. Faking it. You, you made fun of my PSA. Stop okay. making faces at me. I, you know what, though? If you want me to watch it, I'll watch it. No, no. I'll watch no, it. No, okay, good. Thank God. Against you. Don't do anything you would do, but I'm telling you right now, I won't get on this microphone again. <laughs> Until you've seen and enjoyed Pitch Perfect. I'm on strike. <laughs> you feel like I'm on a Pitch Perfect strike? <laughs> see, All right. What, what everyone can't see because this is a podcast is the judgment radiating no! off of it. <laughs> no, no, no. Judge Judy over no. here is giving me oh, side eye. <laughs> Baloney. That's not accurate. No, that's not. I am, no, not. I am judging. I am judging. In fact. <laughs> you know what? No. Lies. Yes. Yeah, judgment. No, I'm judging. I'm judging. Because I, and here's why I'm judging. Because there's a certain type of film that people like us are supposed to enjoy. And if it's not a creepy horror film, which is our first level of yes. what people expect from us, it should be a movie along the lines of Pitch Perfect. Like, 
Okay, Christ. here's here's. Wait, okay. Are you missing like that female, like that gene that makes you, you like female that I movies? Am. You know like, that I am, like dude. Let me tell you what. Man? Come let on. Me, let, let, there's okay. other chick flicks that I like. I just can't think of any. See, like, and I'm the polar opposite. I can sit and watch Hallmark Christmas movies all day long. Oh, no, no, God no. damn it! Do I love a nice, warm, fuzzy, feel-good movie? <laughs> yeah. No, my mom makes fun of me. What's the the famous <laughs> love movie with Ryan Gosling? The Notebook. Yeah, never seen it. No desire to. All right, we're going to cancel our <laughs> horror podcast and we're going to start a chick flick. I'm ne- yeah, I'm just never I'm sure I'm sure there are chick flicks. Maybe you have some really like. good insights into these movies. I just don't get how you have a heart, two eyes and a vagina and not love the notebook. <laughs> we're clearly in the wrong genre. We're not. We're not in the wrong genre. Oh, my, my mind is blown. But anyway, we're so far off the freaking course. It's yeah. not even funny. Okay. So we talked about Barb. Yes. So now we got to talk about the ending. Yeah. Right? That's the only thing we got. So Phil gets it. And you know what bothers me? I love the character of Phil, which we both discovered was yes. the aunt from My Big Fat Greek Wedding. Yes. Which is a chick flick, I would argue, that oh, you have seen and I've enjoyed. I've seen that. And I have liked yeah. it. Yay, I've had another yeah, one. Yeah, Boom, yeah. two. <laughs> that one's so cute. That one but, is cute. Um, yeah, so, so Phil is the, the aunt from My Big Fat Greek Wedding. And she is, she's a, I like her character. I love that character. I, I like the character of Phil. Feel, you know what? Because I feel, feel like so she's one of the most down-to-earth ones. Oh, my like, God. She's, yeah, she's the, the most relatable. Like yes, yeah, she's absolutely cool too, though. She, but you know what? I feel like she's got that big cross around her neck, which I find interesting. Because here's the girl getting an abortion who wears a big cross around her neck. I just, I just throw I that know, out I don't there. know. There's just something about Phil that she's obviously she cares about her friends because yeah, she's, she's the a one good person. You know, she she doesn't mind standing up to her friends because when Barb is running her and mouth about her turtle out, sex, her, she's like, "Dude, go to bed. Right, you're, you're drunk. drunk. And go home, Barb." Yeah, essentially. And Barb was kind of like. Oh, You're right. Well, yeah, yeah I like, probably yeah. should. So, like, she'll, you know, she'll knock you down when you need to be knocked mm-hmm. down. But she's obviously got your back. But because she's she went, right. She went to the police station. She's trying to help she Claire. She walked through the park She did the, the walk girl. through looking for the girl. Yep. She came home and hung out with Jess. Like, she, yeah. she's just a she good She went up, and unfortunately, her death came because she went up to check on Barb to make sure Barb was okay. Yeah. So, she goes into Barb's room, but unfortunately, Never. Billy but was in there, too. And she met her demise how, at that now, point. Now, do we find out how she dies? I must n- no no right? you know see, what but and like she's her, bloody. Her death is so we see her dead so he, body he and it's bloody, so it can be assumed. Yeah, yeah. because she is bloody as and well. And again, we could talk about like the the idea of the, the stabbing as a, a penetration as another gender issue, like this idea of the male. Because like Peter is ultimately forcing the male perspective into Jess's decision. And I think the stabbing also kind of like is thematically this notion of forcing the male ideology. It's like mansplaining, you know, like it's like the man has to force his idea in and that has to be the right way to be. But anyway, so Phil gets it in a very kind of uneventful way. And Jess is now alone and she goes nobly because like the, the police guy, Nash had one job. Yeah. One job. Oh, my God. <laughs> like, and it's so funny because they're like, don't mess this up, Nash. Yeah. Get her to go- leave the house. Just calmly call her. This is it. We've right. discovered that the calls, the are obscene phone calls, inside the house. are coming from inside <laughs> the house. Yeah. They, they, they find out who it is. So Nash calls and he's like, Jess, you gotta leave. Don't. Nope. No questions. And she's like, but my friends are upstairs. And he's like, nope. You gotta walk. Promise me you're gonna walk out the door. And she's, not, she's like, yeah, okay. I got you. 
but she goes up. And and some people would be like, oh, what an idiot. Why would she run upstairs? She's not running upstairs like a dumb bimbo because she's too stupid to know to get out of the house. She's making the choice to go get her friend. Yeah, she, she has no idea. Like, she thinks they're sleeping. It pisses me off to no end when I read these trolls online that are like mansplaining how stupid she is because she should have run out the door. Well, you're a shitty friend. That's how yeah. I look at that. She doesn't know her friends are dead. She thinks they're right. sleeping. And right. you know and what? She's doing the right why, thing by going to Why them? should she be the only one that gets out alive? Yeah. How you would know? You, yeah, I wouldn't be able to live with that. And you know what? Barb? Maybe I'd leave her. Barb? Phil? Yeah. I'm going back no. for Phil. Every time. No. So she goes upstairs and she faces Billy. And she, like, slams the door, runs downstairs, locks herself in the basement. All of a sudden, Peter shows up, breaks the glass, and starts looking very creepily looking around the basement for her. Yeah. So in... I think the audience's head as well as Jess's. At this point in the film, there's a big question well, mark yeah. about Peter. He goes up to the glass and he's Super trying to like look into the glass. Like, he's trying to see if she's in there. Yeah. And then when he can or cannot see her, what does he do? He shatters the glass and enters the house. Right. Like once again, overextending his yeah. like role if you're, as the male. It's it's seriously, it's like, is he the killer? Is he not the killer? Or is he trying to save her life? You don't, I don't think it is really kind of defined in any way. They leave that one kind of open to interpretation. Like, what are you doing? Yeah, he's a threat to her. Like, in that moment, I'm scared for her as much as I would be if Billy was in that room. Absolutely. And I think they plan it that way, and I think it's brilliant. Mm -hmm. And I think that it also is another statement on gender roles and, like, you know, just the the male versus female thing. But it's it's fascinating. I don't know what they're trying to say by making Peter so ambiguously creepy. But, um, okay, so... He b- breaks in and, like, stalks her out. And she picks up, what is it, like a pipe or She's something? either got a pipe or a piece of, like, something. wrought iron. Yeah. Like, it almost looked like a railing. I don't know. She's got a piece yeah. of metal in her hand. And, and then the, we hear, you know, the, the, the cops off. figure out what's going and on. And again, they're, off scene, we don't yeah. see what happens between they're she They're racing Peter. to the house, and when they are breaking down the basement door, we hear her screams. Yeah, we hear so her, we still don't we know. We assume. Right, we still don't know. Now, what Peter did in that moment to make her swing that, you know, like yeah. actually attack and kill him, we don't know. We don't know. Which, again, all part of the beauty of the film, because it's like, well, did he attack her? Like, maybe even if he isn't Billy... Did he still fucking try to attack her down there? Yeah. Because, you know, he's already threatened her life multiple times you know, throughout the film. He might have been trying to comfort her and put that down. And maybe and he was trying right, to disarm guess, him. Yeah. Or did, maybe he was trying right. to disarm her. Or just her. trying to calm her down. Or maybe and she didn't even give him a chance to explain. She just batted the crap out of him. You know, and also she could have been in a state of shock. When you're told that the killer is inside the house, you need to leave the house now. But you know your friends are upstairs because you don't yet know that they're dead. But then you go up and you find them dead. You just you just found yeah, your two friends dead. Straight. Yeah, like she, you know, it could have been anybody that she could have confronted that way. You know, to her, anybody is now a threat because she doesn't know who Billy truly is. I think she so 100% is has the right to kill Peter in that moment. Agreed. Like, I think she 100%, especially, I mean, I guess because we don't know what he does or doesn't do to her. Yeah. But I don't know. Like, I'm okay with, I don't look at her and go, oh, she killed that guy for no reason. So, but anyway, we find out, and spoiler alert, if you haven't seen the movie now, yeah. it would be a good time to turn it off. Hey. Um... Billy is still alive. It ends with her, with Peter on top of her, presumably dead. They put her in her bed, which I'll never understand. So stupid. They put her in her bed. She's like in a in in a shock. Yeah. And they're like, well, Peter's dead, and she just murdered her own boyfriend, so it's gonna take a while. You know, yada yada. They think they've all's well that ends well. They believe Peter to be the killer. Flashes to the attic that nobody bothered to look in. 
and we see that Billy is still up there rocking the chair. And at the very end, Billy says, Agnes, it's me, Billy. Don't tell what we did, Agnes. Who's Agnes? I don't know. Oh. You know, there are detectives, there are cops, there are family, there are, you know, no one has looked in the attic. You know, for all they know, Claire and Mrs. Mack, well, actually, Mrs. Mack was believed to be at her sister's house at one point, but for all the searching that they did, they have a search party for a little girl out in, you know, the lake, but they don't even bother to look in the attic of their own home because that's where two bodies and Billy have been hiding out the entire time. Yeah, I found that funny that the the dad collapses and they're like, oh, he's in shock. Let's get him to the hospital right away. We got to get this man to a hospital. Yet, obviously, Jess is laying there in a shock and we're just going to turn the well, lights out. Well, she's a dame. She'll be all right. Yeah. You know, we're just going to pat her on the head and, and turn the lights out. This ending is ambiguous. We never find out who Billy is, why he's there, who the heck Agnes is, or any of this stuff. We also don't know Jess's fate because she's she's in shock in her room. Left alone. Left alone, yeah. But also, yeah, like, you know, I understand, too, that you've just, you know, killed the presumed killer. But um, isn't, like, the whole vigilante thing, like, it's, you still murdered somebody. Is, isn't that still a crime? Like, why? No, because she was, it was, if it was an act of self-defense, and presumably okay. they're going to pin these crimes oh, on yeah, Pete. Oh, yeah, that's so. true. Good old Pete and his crazy piano. Smashing ways. To end this podcast, I'm going to say, I'm going to throw down the gauntlet that this is one of my all-time favorite horror movies. Yeah. Short of, like, maybe Night of the Living Dead. Yeah, no, this this was a very, I had never seen it before um, when I watched it for today, and it was awesome. Yeah. I I, honestly, I didn't have high expectations, because I'm like, it's older. I had watched, like, the beginning, and it was a little slow. But I was super into it. I really, really liked it. Good. I'm glad Very to hear it. Very good movie. Because it's definitely, it's definitely one of my, my faves. And like I said, it's slasher genre is usually not my thing. But man, do I love this movie. Yeah, this so is good. So we highly recommend this one. Absolutely. Um, and this is going to be one of our final Christmas. This will probably be our final Christmas. Yeah, episode. this is going to wrap it up for us. That's right. Um, and we've got a lot of other goodies that we didn't get to this year that we're, I'm hoping we'll be able to get to in future years. So we got a lot of treats coming up in the new year for you. Uh, hang tight because we'll be bringing you some good cold weather treats. We'll also be doing our special Valentine's Day episode. Yeah. We've got a March Madness episode coming oh, up. that I am so good. I'm so excited for. Jackie's brainchild. It is. No, I got to give a shout out to the guys that podcast on Movies Ruin My Life. I love that. Um, they do March Madness bracket style uh, for all sorts of stuff. And they did one for this past Halloween. They did a slasher, exclusively slasher. Cool. Um, I want to do a just full-on horror, horror of all, you know, all the different types of horror. So I'm very excited for a March Madness and show. And we're going to be bringing in some of our resident experts and some of our most loyal listeners for this one. So if you're out there and you want to take part in this bracket, please, please reach out to us. Send us an email, Facebook us, yeah. uh, tweet at us, because we would love to have more people. We're going to be bringing in Joe Costal, my mentor for horror, yeah. my guru, and Nate... My friend Nate, Nate uh, one of my very, very good friends. We've been friends for a million, billion years, I yeah. think is the yeah. count. Uh, yeah, no, very good friend. Very awesome supporter of the show. So yeah, they're going to be coming and on with if us. if I'm being honest, I have a friend crush on him. So I'm, yeah. hoping that, <laughs> I'm hoping that bringing him onto the show, I can solidify our imaginary friendship. Because in my head, he and I are long for good oh, yeah. friends. No, yeah, you guys but we have tight, to like, yeah. yeah, we have to actually make that real <laughs> yeah. beyond just my imagination. So um, I'm looking forward to that too. Don't forget that you can find us on Facebook. You can find us on Twitter, on our website, jerseyghouls.com. And now you guys can find us on YouTube. Yeah, boy.
So this wraps up our very merry Jersey Ghouls Christmas. We hope you guys have enjoyed it. And from all of us here at Jersey Ghouls headquarters, we hope you guys have an awesome, happy, healthy, and safe holiday season.